Hello, listeners. The Connecting Citizens to Science podcast is a global health podcast. That means that we try to reach voices in different countries, in different contexts, and the sound quality can sometimes be compromised. So we recommend for this episode, which was recorded in Liberia, that you do read alongside using the transcript so that you can really understand and hear these very important voices that are represented in this episode. You can find the transcripts within the blurb and at the bottom of the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine podcast site. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. I'm Dr. Kim Ozano, and together with a selection of co-hosts from around the world, we discuss the ways in which people and communities connect with research and science. We hear from patients and survivors, health workers, policymakers, scientists, and implementing research organizations about the methods and approaches that they apply to co-produce knowledge to address current global health challenges. Thank you for listening and on to this week's episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome back or welcome for the first time to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. This month's podcast series will be exploring mental well-being amongst people affected by chronic health conditions. We will be hearing about examples from neglected tropical disease research, or NTDs. These are a set of communicable diseases that affect the poorest and the most marginalized, and on top of that receive limited resources in comparison to other diseases like TB or HIV, for example, hence their term of being neglected. Throughout this series, we will be talking about how different stakeholders from the NTD community and other chronic conditions work together with communities and people who have lived experience so we can better understand their health issues. We have two guests today. Asata is a community health service supervisor in Lofa, Liberia, and Wenger is a neglected tropical disease focal person. Sata and Wenger work in communities that are more than five kilometers from the health facilities, and they are a peer researcher within the Redress program. The Redress program is working towards addressing stigma, discrimination, and improving mental health services for people affected by neglected tropical diseases. But before we begin, let's talk to our co-host, Tosin Adeke. How are you today? And tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, Kim. I'm fine. Thank you very much. And it's good to be here. Um, I am Tosin Adeke, like I have a PhD in psychology and I work with the Department of Mental Health here in Northern Nigeria, the Amadobelu University Teaching Hospital. And I've also worked primarily research in um, participatory research, particularly among neglected tropical diseases. Most recently, I also work with the Institute for Development Studies where we're developing a well-being tool for children and parents with disability. And it's good to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tosin. It sounds like you have a wealth of experience and I can imagine working with children is quite challenging and very interesting as well. So hopefully we'll get to hear about that at some point. Thank you, Tosin. I'm going to ask you for a definition early on here. We hear a lot about the term peer researcher. Could you tell me a bit about what that means? So when we talk about peer researchers, Um, What we're referring to is people who are in the community, people who are living with chronic conditions, who are now part of the research team uh, in terms of planning, in terms of data collection, in terms of analysis, and in terms of presentation. In other words, 
they drive the process and are telling a story of their experience together with other researchers from outside who are probably in the universities, but they are the ones who drive the process. These are whom we refer to as peer researchers. For this segment, we'll be talking with Wenjo and Sata, who work in communities um, that have a story that is probably typical in most um, African communities, communities that are more than five kilometers from the health facilities that can provide basic health services. So Wenjo and Sata are also peer researchers within the Redress program and will be telling us uh, about their experience. Maybe we start with you, Wenjo, and you tell us about yourself and how you come to do the work that you do now. Thank you. I'm Wenjo from Grand I started my work as a TV local person in Grandida up to now, until I came out to redress program. TB focus person in Grandida, usually we go out or I go out in search of those patients. I have people honor me as a focus person. As a focus person for TB at the time, uh, only focusing on TB and leprosy. But one interesting for which I switched out to redress is that there are a lot of these diseases that when we go out, we meet up with, and we could not talk about them so much because we do not have the technical know-how. We do not have the way out to really talk with them and get a treatment. But now I found out that redress coming out with some of these NTD, not only levels in the TB, but especially with these ruling DU also and the others. So this is why switch me on now as a researcher for redress. Okay, thank you very much, Wenjo. Um, so I come to you, Sata. Tell us about yourself and um, how you come to do the work that you do now. My name is Sada Eskoli. I'm from Rafa County in Senegal town, Vanjama District. I started working for Redress 2020. We did a photo voice, research on photo voice, all of those things in the other district. And after working for them, at least I was able to get our knowledge on how to carry on research in the community and how to get the community people view if you actually want to get a good information from them, what will you do? And we spent that two months in the bush and we did that job, we came back. Since then, any other work they have, we can be invited and we go there for training and we can do the work. That's how I came on board. And later on, I started taking part in the community advisory board as a treasurer and part of Redress Community Affordable in Lofa County. Okay, thank you very much, um, Sata. I think um, ju just a quick follow-up um, so that uh, our listeners would uh, be able to understand this. Uh, what you are doing now is you are also working as a peer researcher with the Redress Program. Can you tell us how that experience has been? You know, they're not the usual people that you would work 
with when you are doing research? How has that experience been? Wow, it has been good. And I love to work with the community people. Since I left school, I've been working in the community. As soon as you are working in your community, the first place you have to value them. Every human being have a value. If you make them to understand that we are all together, the condition they are in, does that bring separation between you people? They can work with you. They can give you every other information you need from them. So it has really been fun of me working with the community people. If you be or affected person or survivor, I can be happy to work with them. Okay, uh, thank you. Based on your experience in the redress program, how, how have you found working with people affected? How has your experience been with that? Yes, it was fine. If you're working with your people in a community, they see you as your son, as your brother, as your uncle, and even friend. I'd be going with them. They are happy. And myself, I'm happy talking with them, everyone in English or Dalit especially, then they feel proud. And that's why myself, I feel proud. They tell you all their problem. So they are, free, they are free to tell you their problem. And of course, talking with patients, you have to find out what is the problem. If, they, if, you, if you have to be patient in talking with them, then you know the way forward. So of course, indeed, I love it, and they also love it. Whenever they see me, they are proud. Okay, thank you, Wenjo. You've brought up a very key point here, and that is being patient um, while talking with the people in the community, particularly the persons affected. Um, right. I, I would like you to let our listeners know how you provide support to people in your community that are living with a neglected tropical disease and or a mental health condition. <laughs> okay, thank you. The support, first of all, when we, if I look at support, in a much, I gave you the technical know-how, you the affected person, and I tell you, do this, don't do this, and you go by it. Until now, today, you are free from that disease. It's one of the key support. Health talk. Now, you talk about mental health. Before, there was no medicine. There was no person who could tell you about mental health. Then as a result, people also fear you somehow. But this time around, we got people in the viral facilities that talk about mental, that learn about mental health. So all of these diseases, they are also fearful. But now you get your own person who speak the dialect where you will feel fine. Okay, thank you very much, Wenjo. And uh, I think what one thing that comes out very clear from what you have just said is uh, first of all, the fact that the information, where the information comes from or who the information comes through is very important. And you said, if it comes from your own person, you know, people tend to want to listen more. And that, that has provided a lot of awareness and it's increased enlightenment within the communities. So I will come to Sata now. Um, and I'd just like you to also just share from your experience 
how you provide support to people in your community living with neglected tropical diseases. And we know that some of them could have some mental health conditions. How do you provide support for these people? We made them feel important in the society. They should feel relaxed. Because if their mind is not set, any other thing you are saying, it can be that you're wasting your own time. But if you go to them, you tell them that they are not the only person that is going through that problem, and you counsel them, you get them to feel that yes, you get them to give hope. To give hope, it can be very fun. It can make the people to work with you smoothly. And it can also make them to feel fun. Because as long as you are from there, we can reach to some level and we speak dialect so that they can feel that yeah, you're part of them and you they are uncha. We go there, talk to them, and they can like be on their treatment. The person will feel happy and we can make sure we make a follow-up also on the treatment level so that they can receive their treatment on time. We'll do a call for them, all of those things. So they can gain hope and they can feel relaxed. Okay, so thank you very much. You've, you are talking a lot about hope, helping them to see that they're not the only ones. Again, like Wenjo has stated, is, you know, that connection being able to connect, uh, uh, being able to speak the same language. But I just ask you, Sata, I'll just ask you a quick question because um, while we did something similar in Nigeria, uh, because it's participatory research, we had a challenge, an initial challenge, and that was getting people in the community, you know, to really speak. And what I mean is when you ask them what, are the challenges that you have, uh, what do you think you can do to help yourselves? You know, you get this initial thing about whatever you do, uh, let the government bring money. There's a lot of talk about government and about outsiders. Now, I would like you to share with us if you had a similar experience, you know, around the challenges of getting people to participate, you know, to take ownership, to be in position of power to decide how things go and what they really want to do. We have CHA, CHV, and CHSS all around. Every time we can tell the people, what people will now continue to be giving you money. So do something today so that tomorrow you can benefit out of it. Don't just sit and say, except they bring this, except they bring this. And everybody know that late treatment can cause problem and earlier treatment can be a help the community also. So if you got a problem and we have making you to know that yes, this problem got a solution. If we do this, we do this, you will be okay. And the person can take their own health into their hands to know the importance of their health. You're not expecting government to come watch it so it can be. But you should know that you yourself need to take good care of yourself and other people will come in to come help. So we can really make our community to understand the goodness of them being healthy. Okay, thank you very much. And that's quite enlightening. I guess when you say um, CHA and CHV, just for our listeners, if you just quickly explain to us what that acronym means. CHA, they are community health assisting. CHA, they are community health volunteer. We are there to give health to, to understand the importance of health. And for CHA, they can give health talk and they can give treatment. They can treat or three major conditions. So they are there to do it. But where in the case somebody can down two or three conditions, CHA, they do refer. 
Thank you very much. So these are people, you know, who are in the community. And like you have said, they provide sure. the constant engagement for the people yes. in the community. Good. Okay. So I come back to you, Wenjo. How much do you think mental health has been integrated into disease care within your context? Looking in, as I said earlier, before there was no health talk, there was no medicine, nobody trained for it. But how do they come into the program or into the health center? It is because people are now trained. The nurses are trained. Most of the nurses are trained for their mental health. Okay. Thank you very much, Wenjel. Um, over to you, Sata. Based on your experience, how much do you think mental health has been integrated into disease care? As for me, I would say 85 to 90% because most of the health facility, they got mental health department. They got people that like we counsel and people that like even have any other mental health condition, they can receive the treatment from there. So I know it has been integrated and people are actually working on it. Okay, and um, how acceptable, how engaging are people, you know, within the communities? Are they coming out? Are they, you know, engaging with the mental health um, providers within your context? You know, what people knew the first time they don't have information on it, they were just like sit home, they don't want to go to health facility. But for now, our people really know the importance of health. They go by themselves and get their emergency, and someone there go by themselves for counseling. You can walk to them, go there, talk to them, and counsel them. So now we go to them to their various home and go counsel them, make them to understand the goodness of being healthy. Thank you very much. And um, I think that's a great point there. You know, the community health assistance, you've said something about um, many times it's just counseling that um, people need and they're there to go to their homes and then um, pro provide um, such counseling for them. Uh, I think that's critical because one challenge that we face, particularly in the communities, is having to leave your home um, having to be dislodged from your home and your activities, you know, to be able to take a trip that could also probably cost some money to the health facilities to be able to get that initial counseling. And um, it's that gap that, um, pro that allows, you know, for people not to really engage. So that's good that that's coming out. So these are people in the community who are providing um, um, that initial counseling and where there is need to take things further, they're able to counsel to say, you may need to take these further steps. Now, uh, let's come to, um, communities now and i want you to just share how have communities been involved so far okay we involve the community we just ask them for permission like always get consent from them if they agree to work with you they will listen to you so when we call for community meeting sometimes after the meeting you ask them for 30 minutes or 15 minutes you can explain to them you take one topic you explain to them and when one person go and the next person who they get treatment, they will build that trust. As long as the trust is there, they will listen to you. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so what 
what you're saying is um, leveraging on what is already in the community. So where there is a community meeting, you know, a lot of these programs are integrated into it and um, a lot of integrity sticking to agreements and then um, building trust. Um, sure. Wenjo, what are some of the things, the changes that you are seeing in the community as a result of um, this engagement, you know, with the community through these community meetings and through other means like um, Sata said earlier on, like counseling, taking counseling to the homes and things like that. What are some of the outcomes that you see? When you have meeting with them, they listen to you, you listen to them, after the meetings, you give them a chance to question you, their doubt, what they don't know. They are free to come out because you did explain left and right. You give them a chance to question you. You give communication and they put the community people together. So when you go there and explain the best to their understanding, they feel free to come forward. Okay, thank you, Wenjo. So um, it's, it's made them free to come out. Um, people are not, from what you're saying, people are no longer hiding. and um, There's an increase in support. Um, just one more question around that area. How has all of this affected, you know, stigma and um, discrimination, particularly of people living with skin NTDs in the communities? How has your engagement affected stigma and discrimination? Yes, after all of these explanations, all of these answers, the points of discrimination reduce. I will say reduce, I can't say no more because there are numerous of people in different or with different ideas. So for these discrimination, Telling the other person, this one have this, this one had that. Yes, but completely it reduced. And so we are still fighting towards it. The continuing effort by the CHV or CHW going into the community, even if it is every month, just what we're doing every month, that alone will completely finish it out. Thank you, Wenjo. So, um it's important that engagement is sustained, that engagement continues. And um, it's, it's good news to hear that stigma and discrimination is uh, reducing. Thank you very much for your wonderful descriptions. I will hand over back to Kim now for a wrap up. Thanks, Tosin. What a wonderful conversation uh, that was. I've learned so much. Any other last messages, Sata, that you would like to share with our listeners? We want for you people to really work in now with us so that our people should not lose hope anymore. They should keep your courage in your talk with your help that their supply will always be available. Because it will be difficult. Somebody start treatment and they come in on fun, then later on, they break in for one or two weeks. It can be so painful. So we want you to help us in our land so that our people can be receiving their medication and they will always be happy. Thanks very much. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for uh, listening to this very special episode. Please do like, rate, share and subscribe. 
the voices that you've heard today cannot uh, continue to be recorded and, and shared with the world unless uh, you are, are following us and, and supporting. So thank you so much to our guests. Thank you very much. And to Tosin, our wonderful co-host. And I will see you in the next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.